What's good everyone, Matt here from UK Nets Fans and I'm joined as ever by Aidan McConaughey for another episode of BK to UK, the British Brooklyn Nets podcast. Today is Tuesday the 16th of November and today we're chatting about the West Coast road trip, Joe Harris potentially on the trading block, frustration with Ben Simmons, the Jacques Vaughan era so far and much, much more. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at UK Nets fans and check us out on YouTube where you can catch us live and watch all of our episodes back. With that out of the way, let's get into it. Um, a week is a long time in Nets world, as we both know, but since we last um, podded, the Nets have appointed Jacques Vaughan as head coach. Um, so after the firing of Steve Nash, uh, Jacques Vaughn became the interim head coach, but the Nets finally made the appointment permanent and signed Jacques Vaughn to a two-year deal as head coach. Uh, he obviously, he's been with the Nets since 2016 and is assistant coach um, after being Orlando Magic head coach, uh, where he did it was a bit of a rebuilding roster and you know he had a didn't win many games, but that's fine. Um, obviously, already had a stint as the Nets interim coach in the 1920 season after Kenny Atkinson got fired, uh, where he had a 7-3 and record before getting swept, swept in the playoffs by the Raptors. Uh, the decision came three days after Mark Stein reported that the Nets were sh- there were strong voices from around the league dissuading the Nets from hiring suspended Boston Celtics head coach and former Nets assistant Ime Adoka. Um, Aiden, were were the Nets right to to go with Jacques Vaughn for this one? Um, I'm not so sure. I, I'd say it's a fairly uninspiring appointment for a team that's looking to win a championship right now and I say that in all fairness obviously to, to Jack Vaughan I, I just think but personally it just felt like we needed we were in a time where we just needed to go down a completely fresh approach Um obviously Steve Nash is gone but how much has actually changed within the Nets organisation obviously everyone else is kind of still there um, and it's just kind of everyone seems to have bumped up the, a peck, the pecking order a bit there and you said it there, obviously, Vaughn's been there for about five years now and obviously he was there with Kenny, first of all, which is fine, kind of in a rebuilding era. Um, but then obviously with Nash, when we were really kind of just trying to win it all. And during that entire time frame, he's been the guy that's kind of been in charge of the defensive plays. He's been that assistant that's been leading all of that. And uh, you don't need to look too far to see that the Nets have been one of the worst defensive teams during the last five years. Um, I can completely understand why they didn't think uh, Emiadoka was the right move. Um, if if it looked okay to them after the background checks, I, I wouldn't have had a problem with them uh, going, with, going with that. But they obviously felt that it wasn't right. But you just have to think, there must have been other choices than just falling back on your assistant coach who you obviously decided a couple of years ago wasn't good enough for the starting role, eh, sorry, for the head coach role. So I don't know. It, it's Time will tell with this one, but it certainly has the feel of something that a, a rebuilding team would do rather than a team that's trying to win a championship this year. Yeah, that's it was weirdly underwhelming, I think, and unexpected because all the chat was obviously on Ime Adoka, uh, Quinn Snyder, who reportedly didn't really get anywhere um, close to being the Nets um, head coach or interviewing for it, really. Um, 
but also I think yeah Jack Vaughn was just obviously he's been out in and out and it just felt like there, it, we needed a new direction and a new voice in the locker room um, where Steve Nash kind of lost that um, so it was surprising to see Jack Vaughn um, I think it was probably just a move to steady the ship a little bit I think with all the kind of rockiness that's been going on with the Nets especially this early on this season to have a brand new head coach come in um, would have just obviously added another unknown quantity to it so Jacques Vaughan although he may have his limitations as a head coach um, that still kind of remains to be seen um, at least it's someone who's ingrained in in the organization and has relationships with the whole team um, it's nice to see that KD specifically has had really, really good things to say about Jacques Vaughan, um, about, you know, holding people accountable. There's a, a Bleacher Report interview um, that we'll get into a little bit later in, in the pod um, where KD has this quote about his teammates and expectations. But in that piece um, that I really think everyone should read, um, just talks about how KD now just loves practices and, you know, Jack Vaughan is the guy. So that's been really, really good uh, to see. So it's been really interesting. And I think the Nets have kind of, we did have that little bump. Obviously, we're now uh, a few games into Jack Vaughan as head coach. And there's been there's been some highs and some lows. Um, we've been holding a, a good few teams under 100 points. Um, but then we had had a couple of spankings and a couple of... Um, Embarrassing losses, which again we will get onto, but it, it was just an, a nice little in sort of um, opportunity to call out that um, we have a new head coach, and that is awesome. Um, so yeah, long live uh, Jacques Vaughan. Uh, hopefully, we'll get we'll get the the most out of this team. But who's going to be on this team? That that remains to be seen. Because if you listen to Rob Boucher of Fox Sports, um, he reported that the Nets hope to move Joe Harris to save themselves money in the luxury tax. Um, so this comes in a report which was sort of subsequently shared by Bleacher Report and said that the, because the Lakers and the Nets are on pace to miss the playoffs, this might inspire and I'm using air quotes for anyone listening back, fantasy league type exchange of discounted superstar deals. Um, basically, he spoke to an anonymous Eastern Conference GM and a Western Conference scout, um, which who are kind of quoted throughout the piece to say that, in his opinion and their opinion, the Nets need to move Kyrie Irving now uh, before he walks for nothing next year, and the Nets just need to blow it up. Um, interestingly, where Joe Harris comes into all of this, uh, both the Nets and the Lakers are among the top five teams in player payroll this season. Uh, both have also been subjected to hefty luxury tax um, for having repeatedly gone over the threshold for the last few years. That's where the Nets, league sources said, also hope to move long-range shooter Joe Harris, who is set to make $18 million this year and $19 million next season. Um, so the the report kind of had a ton of caveats and saying it probably won't happen, but it could do maybe um but we're a few games into the season now obviously joe harris is coming off a long layoff um do you think it's time to maybe move joe on because he's not really living up to that money is he yeah i mean it's a tough one obviously we've said for a wee while now that in terms of contracts joe's definitely probably the most expendable on the team 
Um, and it really kind of depends on on what the return is right now. Obviously, like Ben Simmons, Harris has he struggled to get back into rhythm. Obviously, after a long time out, and I think saying obviously the article said that it's potentially to save luxury tax. I mean, it's making Harris sound like a bit of a salary dump, and like we were saying earlier, it's like. For a team that's trying to win it all, it's not really a move you do. You want you want to keep kind of the best players around, and obviously Joe isn't looking great right now. And obviously, if they want to get something decent in return for Harris, um, then and they can do that. Then yeah, you probably do make that move. Um, but I'd say now, which is crazy to think, I'd say that Joe Harris's value is probably lower than what it was when he was out injured, just because he's obviously came back and people have seen what he looks like. And right now, he's a, a shadow of his former former mm-hmm. self. He, he just doesn't seem to be getting that rhythm that we've seen from him before, which is disappointing. He, he showed kind of glimpses, but it's never really been fully there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think this report is is definitely just someone who's kind of reading the tea leaves of of what the Nets could do, obviously, with the situation we're in right now. I've always said that if you are going to move Joe Harris, the likelihood is you're probably going to have to move him to someone who is um, wanting to take on young young players and picks. So you're probably going to have to attach someone like Cam Thomas, maybe even that... um, that Sixers pick, and I'm trying to think when the next one is 2027, 20, still a while ago. Um, but so, yeah, <laughs> that's it, it's a, a while to go. But it's certainly a pick that, that could hold some value with the way the, the Sixers have looked relatively recently. But yeah, I mean, right now, I, I just don't know if it's the right move because it is essentially a salary dump, and it sounds so harsh because Joe Harris is a great player, but it does sound like if it would be a move, it would probably look something like that. Yeah, it's rough. I just literally, as you were just talking, I was, and he kind of said he was a shell of his former self. I've looked up, I've gone onto basketball reference and just seen what his averages have been for this season. Obviously he's kind of been in and out of the lineup, but um, played in 13 games, started nine of them, averaging 28 minutes, 26 minutes, sorry. He's seven and a half points a game less than two assists, three, 3.4 rebounds. Uh, and obviously his go-to stat with his three-point shooting, he's down to 33% from yeah. three on 4.8 attempts, which, you know, from you know the past five seasons, he's shot over 40%. He's shot 47.5%, you know, twice uh, in the, since he's been in Brooklyn, 46% last year uh, before he got laid off. But, yeah, it is really tough, as you say. I think the Nets shouldn't be looking to dump salary if they're supposed to be. If they're going to move Joe, they need to move everyone. I think, um, and yeah, it just it, it feels weird because you know I, he's the longest tenured net that there is. He's been around a long, long time, but the way Seth Curry in particular has been playing. He's basically doing what we want Joe Harris to be doing in being a marksman scoring in bunches um you know taking some of that kind of pressure off kevin durant and he's on what less than like 10 million dollars cheaper a year than joe harris is so once you look at it like that it's like okay if if we can keep hold of seth curry then we're not really losing out on much but you know fingers crossed you know joe 
picks up back to where he was, but I think even where he was, I don't think it kind of puts the Nets in a position where you can kind of justify someone on 18, 19 million dollars a year being your third, like your fourth most highly played, highly paid guy. So I don't think we will move him, um, but I'm le- I'd be less upset if we did move him than when he was out. If you know what I mean, because like just like you said, his his kind of trade value has gone right down, in in my opinion too, because he's it, like all those kind of questions have sort of been answered in this early part of the season. It's like, oh, what's he going to come back like? Oh, he's not as good. So <laughs> so yeah, it, it's not good looking good for Joe, but, but hopefully, um, you know, we won't see that, um, come to fruition. And, you know, that's, it was very, very much, it doesn't look like anyone's really sniffing around or the nets are actually making any calls. It's just something that one guy, one sports writer kind of thought and Bleacher report picked it up. So, so that's all it takes to be, um, to kind of set Twitter alight, isn't it? Um, Talking of injured people, uh, Sham Sharania himself, uh, along with Sam Amick from The Athletic, wrote an article entitled Inside the Nets, Building Frustration with Ben Simmons as Team Looks to Emerge from Early Slump. Um, In the article, it says, according to multiple sources with direct knowledge of the situation, the coaching staff and players have been concerned about Ben's availability and level of play, with some questioning his passion for the game. Uh, Simmons told The Athletic, I've been dealing with knee, dealing with the knee since the start of the season. It's been swollen. I've had PRP injections. I've had blood drained a couple of times. So it's not a made-up thing, you know. It's a real thing. I get the skepticism, but I think the one thing with me is I'm a competitor. I want to win and play. So I'm going to do what I can to get out there. Um, I think the knee is like sneaky un underreported i think with ben simmons obviously coming back from such a long layoff a lot's been made about his back that he had surgery on in may in the kind of mental health side of it that obviously has been hugely reported on but yeah this knee is a serious thing man um obviously looked better in the the most recent game um but yeah how how long are you giving it before we get like how big do you want the sample size on ben simmons to be before we can start drawing conclusions yeah i mean you were listing off obviously those injuries there he's starting to sound like an old man and he's only 26 (laughs) years old and he's getting obviously all these knee and back issues but yeah yeah, it's it's difficult i i would say i'm probably into the worry stage already i probably didn't want to be in it that early but obviously there was a bit of a setback there with with the knee injury but obviously said that he's been dealing with it for a while um but it just really hasn't been inspiring stuff from ben so far and obviously despite the odd moment of class where you do see that he is still a top top player um it kind of gives you a bit of hope that he is turning a corner then he just doesn't look confident and he just doesn't look like the same player and it is it's just sad to watch at times when he he comes in because a guy like Ben Simmons, regardless of if he's kind of getting back into it, should be in the starting lineup. And he's coming off the bench and playing garbage time sometimes. And yeah, I, I just think, uh, I do think it is a, a mental thing just now. And he's got some barriers to break through. I obviously know that he was talking about how 
I think it was after the Sacramento game, he was talking about how he, um, I'm just trying to find what he was saying. Yeah, he said so. He said something like um, that. Obviously, the the back injury. It wasn't just a back injury that he had surgery for. It, it obviously affected the nerves in his back because he had trapped nerves, and mm-hmm. and he's been told that it's going to take up to eighteen months to get that fully right. So, when he says something like that, you kind of do understand it in a bit more that it is a bit of a. It's going to be a long time before he's back, which is obviously annoying for us because he is a guy that we need to play well just to to obviously compete and we're not in a situation really where we can let we him have 18 months <laughs> exactly 18 months is too long we don't have that long we've essentially got a year by the sounds of it um but yeah it's i've been thinking about it recently in in terms of obviously the hardened trade and at the time we were talking about it we said that it, it looked pretty fair we were obviously getting a, a six foot ten point guard who was a a defensive juggernaut but he's essentially unrecognizable right now and looking back at that trade it does feel like a loss that regardless of what james harden's done so far in philly he's obviously been a bit hot and cold as well um but i do think he can turn it around and despite worrying now i do think he can turn it around but i think it's now down to the nets to just put him in that starting lineup and hopefully from what we've seen relatively recently he can start to to integrate and even if he's just that defensive juggernaut rather than this the six foot ten point guard who can drive at the rim at ease it's enough just because it'll help us on nights that we've seen recently if we if we can kind of focus more the de- uh, defensively on him um but yeah right now it's he it just seems like he just feels like an afterthought because mm-hmm everything's on KD, all this pressure's on KD right now because it doesn't feel that Simmons can impact the game, which is a bit annoying. Like, Yeah, especially when you're on $35 million a year. Um, it's just, yeah, um, it's a lot of money for a backup centre, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I've got a weird thought, and it's just come to me. What would you say to just chucking him in Long Island just to absolutely murder people for a couple of weeks? And just get that, like, so, like, that mental side is just taken away. Like, ultimately, there is no consequences for what he does down there. Two, he's just going to absolutely beast everyone and get the ball on every possession and do whatever he wants. And it just takes away from the Nets having to find those kind of tweener, kind of in-betweeny minutes. Because it almost feels like the minutes that he does get are so in lots of, they're no, they're not like you say, they're in garbage time. So we're just trying to find ways that he can just get game speed reps rather than actually contribute to what we're doing. So obviously the media would go mental if he he goes playing in the G League, but what what, am I crazy? I I like the way you're thinking. I think obviously what he needs is confidence and he's going to get confidence by playing against players that aren't that great when (laughs) right now, I mean, we've had a pretty tough start. He's playing against some really good basketball players um i don't know i think it could go two ways if you done something like that it potentially could be a knock to his confidence as well um you obviously want him to be around these guys all the time you want him to feel like he's a big part of the team obviously it's not felt like that right now i i don't know i i think i'd i'd rather take the hit of like five or six games where they just chuck him in for 30 minutes 
in that starting unit and and start to just try and build a bit of momentum because I did feel even at times when he wasn't really playing great when he was playing consistently in the starting lineup for those first couple of games it did look like we were starting to build a bit of chemistry and every single time because he's changed his role essentially now it just feels like it's it's completely gone now which is annoying i just think they need to just get him back in there to try and just to try and work out i mean we've we've lost the last two anyway so what's the harm mm. um yeah. what's a few others if it if it means when we turn the get to the turn of the year we start playing a bit better and a bit more chemistry so nice so it's christmas again isn't it we always said it's uh give it till christmas to see if nash still needs a job <laughs> but we're going to give it till christmas to i think get is that fair do you think give it till christmas to see what Ben Simmons is like and then before we can start getting worried yeah I think so I think it's probably a good target because you know yourself it's like the amount of games that we play if even if we're kind of we've lost quite a bit we can still turn it around and make the playoffs mm. it's, it's it's a funny league like that but yeah I think yeah. I do think that's an easy target and especially because you'll be playing for three or four months then you've got to hope that if he's not up to full fitness then then there's not really many excuses that you can have yeah indeed Cool. Well, fingers crossed for Ben Simmons and uh, he can start getting it. Because I think I think everyone in the league or everyone that covers the league, no matter what team that you root for, wants, apart from one team, want Ben Simmons to do well. I think I think it would be a really nice comeback story. Um, so, yeah, we're definitely behind you, Ben, mate, because I know you're listening. Um, but let's talk about some games, shall we? Um, four games to talk about, two wins and two losses, um, including... A very, very fun battering of our noisy neighbours, our little brothers, the New York Knicks. Um, the eighth time straight that we beat the Knicks, which is always good. KD is undefeated against the Knicks uh, as a Brooklyn net. I think he's something like 16-3 and three against them all time. Uh, which is uh, always entertaining. Um, KD with a triple-double, 29 points, 12 assists, 12 rebounds, two blocks, a steal, uh, 10 and 19 from the floor, 8 or 10 from the line, just absolutely bossed it. Um, and Seth Curry with a cheeky um, 23 um, off the... Was that? Yeah, Seth Curry with a cheeky 23 off the bench. Um, and yeah, so... It was just it was just amazing to see KD just going off and it was just a complete, complete performance. And say what you want about KD and you know what he do, what he does on Twitter and what he does off the court, but he is just the absolute consummate professional when it comes to basketball. And he just loves playing basketball. And I'm so thankful um that that he's Annette. Um what did you take from from the from the net for the from the Knicks game? Yeah, it was a really a really fun game. Um and Kevin Durant, yeah, as you said, just incredible. I mean, the guy can get twenty-five points in sleep. Um, but I think what I've taken away from this one is his playmaking. And I don't think it's been talked about enough this year because he's been so consistent scoring wise. But I did kind of have a bit of hope at the start of this year, obviously with Ben Simmons coming in, that that kind of side of Durant's game could take a slight back seat because he was doing a lot of it last year as well with Kyrie mm-hmm. being out. But you just watch him and he is such a skilled passer and he's so knowledgeable about where his teammates are on the floor. Um, this one especially, I think he linked really well with Sumner, he linked really well with Clax. 
Um, I think Sumner has is definitely shown sparks of a great player while playing with KD because KD yeah. just knows how to manipulate having these guys open, these guys that aren't as well known around the league uh, for scoring. Um, and certainly for now, someone like Sumner is loving playing with KD, you can tell, because of the amount of open looks he's getting and uh, the amount of freedom he's getting for driving to the basket. Um, other things that I took away from this one, Royce O'Neill, that plus 44, plus <laughs> which is, I, I think I read somewhere that's like the highest, highest Nets player in the play-by-play era or something yep. like that, uh, which is a crazy stat. Even how, how inaccurate it can be at times, plus minus. From watching that game, he was kind of everywhere on the floor. He had that kind of passion that Nets players get when they do play against the Knicks, which was really cool to see. I think he's been an absolute steal. Um, that first round pick is looking looking kind of less and less important as as every game goes on. I think Royce O'Neill's been one of the the constants this year with Kevin Durant. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, Seth Curry, just so nice to see him back to full health. Obviously, we've had players that have taken time get back what a difference it makes having him back in and he uh, he could easily slot back into the starting lineup but in terms of having him running the scoring in the second unit it's just uh it just takes so much pressure off guys like Kevin Durant um so yeah just a great game um and the Knicks certainly don't look half as good as I, I thought they would be this year with some of the additions they made yeah, it's been it's yeah, it's been pretty pretty woeful that kind of those backcourts. I was sort of only Julius Randle that really turned up, and everyone else kind of left were left in the locker room. It was strange to see Cam Thomas. Obviously, we waxed lyrical about Cam Thomas last week, um, but six points in twenty two minutes, and we know he loves playing against the Knicks after his heroics from last season. But that was a little bit concerning to see. But you know, when you've got twenty three and Seth Curry, you you give it to the hot hand, don't you? Really. Um, so yeah, that was cool. Just looking through, and there's literally kind of no one really else. Some I think at 18, which was a season high, which will go. Uh, Joe Harris scored 10 of four of 11 shooting, which uh, in 32 minutes, which obviously we've spoken about Joe. Um, but yeah, it was just all about KD, and KD is god. Um, we followed that up uh, the Knicks win with another win as we hit the road and went into the West Coast um, and faced the Clippers. Uh, taking the W 110 to 95. Uh, and this was the fifth straight game that we'd um, held our opponents to less than 100 points. Um, so, you know, building on that good defensive work that Jacques Vaughn is famed for. Uh, and Seth Curry going off again, had 22 points, but 14 of them uh, were in this fourth quarter, coming off the bench, uh, played, played 28 minutes. Um, KD obviously got his 27 points. Um we're seeing a lot more of the same uh, starting five, um, which is nice. Obviously, I kind of had a bit of a bee in my bonnet last month, uh, last season about the, how many starting lineups we had. Um, but yeah, Seth Curry and defense are the main uh, notes that I had from this game where it's just like, I think like even without, you know, Kawhi sort of not really up to Kawhi levels, Paul George was held to like 17 points in total and didn't score any in the fourth quarter, which was absolutely clutch. But yeah, a wicked win. Yeah, yeah, a massive win. Um, probably one of the biggest wins of the season so far. Um, yeah, just, uh, you said it, you've got to give plaudits to Jack 
Ron in this one. Um, they came out with a game plan. Uh, you felt, obviously, to kind of cancel Paul George out of the game. We've we've had games against Paul George where he's been the lead scorer against Clippers, against when he, when he was on OKC, where he's just dominated us and he knew exactly how to get his shots off. Um, but they, you could just tell that they came out with a plan to almost cancel him out of the game. Um, obviously, it's, it's a bit easier when Kawhi's not on the court um, that you can only have to focus on one kind of real main scoring threat from the Clippers, but it's still a tough job and, and Paul George can go off on any night. So, yeah, a massive respect to, to Jack Vaughn and the, the team in general. Um, this kind of felt like the... This kind of felt like the last game of the honeymoon period of kind of Jack Vaughn being in charge. It felt like, yeah, he obviously got off to start where there's a bit of extra energy. Um, but I don't think it's all down to that extra energy of having a new coach. I do think they went out there with a plan and you could see that, um, that they did make an extra effort to, to cancel him out. And yeah, they were just extremely efficient and clutching in the fourth quarter, which is... Is all you can ask for, really, um, especially when we're we're short-handed right now. So, yeah, just a, a huge win. Well, we followed up that huge win um, with absolutely falling off a cliff. Um, we sort of said before we started recording that if we'd have um, started this pod after that Clippers win, you know, it would have just been absolutely roses. But, but unfortunately not. We went, um, obviously, while we were in LA, um, we followed the Clippers game up with a game against the Lakers. Uh, obviously, no Kyrie. No Seth Curry for this one, who'd been on a tear and contributing hugely to those two wins that we'd spoken about. No Simmons in this one. Um, Nick Claxton didn't finish the game because he had an eye contusion. Uh, and it was just a rough night for the Nets all over against a really bad and LeBronless uh, Lakers team. AD absolutely went off, um, but... Yeah, just a, a case of bad three point in three point shooting, bad defense. Um, yeah, the Nets shot seven of twenty seven from three, um, and yeah, it was it was just a bit ugly, wasn't it? That Lakers game. Yeah, it was, and we obviously were talking about it before we came on. It's it is a hard back to back uh, when you go early and you're playing as yeah when a back to back in the crypto center we usually get a, a day in between but um yeah it's, it's a tough place to go to and two teams that regardless of how they're playing I've got I've got stars there can who can do a job on you and I think yeah it's it's just a a difficult one obviously Anthony Davis was on an absolute tear a monster night really he was uh no LeBron James but I mean when you're running kind of pick and rolls for AD and he's getting, even when he doesn't get kind of changed onto another guy when he's on Claxton, like it's so difficult to expect Nick Claxton to do a job on a guy like Anthony Davis, who side by side looks like he's like double the body weight of Nick Claxton. Um, so it's it's tough. Um, as you say, we were just so short-handed. I just kept thinking when I was watching this one, it felt like a game where we needed Kyrie Irving just to kind of get that extra score in there. Um, and it's it's difficult and frustrating when we've got all this stuff going off the court. Um, when you see games like this, when there's a chance that we could potentially win it if we do have that extra score in there. Um, so yeah, it just it's a case of what could have been. Um, some nice performances from Cam Thomas. Uh, nice to see Utah back so so soon after obviously his rolling his ankle. 
Yeah, um, cyborg, absolute cyborg. How's he come yeah. back from that? I know, I know. <laughs> We've seen an ankle injury take months. Um, <laughs> it was nice to see him come back. Uh, and I thought Morris as well. Um, We've not really talked about him too much since his game here, but it was yeah. nice to see him putting a, a decent spurt and defensive job, um, especially against just a tough night against Anthony Davis. But yeah, it was just one of those nights where we've been dominated by a big man, but we, we've seen that story a hundred times. We have. Um, yeah, we'll get on to it happening again in a minute. <laughs> but, but yeah, just one of those horrible games. I think that, that kind of Jack Vaughan kind of alluded to it, that that Clippers game just took a lot out of the of this team. And yeah, that that, that being that would be rough enough without losing um, who we lost as well. So yeah, just an all a pretty rubbish day at the office um, for the next team. But while we're talking about bad days at the office... Um, we then kind of stayed local and faced the Kings, um, losing a hundred. We scored 121 points in that game and got blown out by 30 odd, which is crazy. So taking 121, but shipping 153 points. Um, yeah, just, just horrific. If you're a Nets fan, um, so credit to the Kings, I guess, who just played KD really well. Um, KD obviously still got 27 points because he's KD, but just got absolutely nothing from anyone else. So actually, well, shout out to Ed and Sumner who got 18 uh, again, which is cool. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was pretty rough. Um, it was just one of those. It felt like one of those one you, know, you just the lids on the basket, and we just blow in some easy layups and. Just it's just not falling and wasn't our night. Um, and Sabonis just again, kind of not to the same extent that AD did, but he was absolutely having it away on this game. Yeah, he, he seems to have a number quite often. Um, but yeah, just an awful night. I mean, they, I imagine they probably got on the plane to Portland a night quicker than they probably just to get out of Sacramento because that is yeah, it was very embarrassing. Um, but yeah, just where was the where was the defense that we saw last week? Like that's and that was what I was wanting to know because no one really looked committed. The guys that you expect to turn up defensively just weren't there at all. I don't know if they're just completely wasted um, mm. and they're just getting to that stage of the road trip where they they just need to need to get back to Brooklyn soon just so that they can find a bit more um, just to get in their own bed and whatnot. But I mean, it's so easy to see the. The negatives in this one. I mean, I'll I'll say a positive from this one. Personally, I think that was probably Ben Simmons' best game as a net, um, yep. which was nice to see. I thought he looked a lot brighter. Um, it was nice to see him drive to the rim on a few occasions. Um, I took a screenshot on my phone of a stat that I saw. I think it was yesterday. I, I can't find it, but it was something like Ben Simmons drives to the basket as a net. He's had something like. Eight, he's only like drove to the basket like eight times this season. <laughs> in his last season at Philly, he averaged eleven drives per game. So it's <laughs> it the level that he's actually he averaged more in a single game than he's done since he's been here. So it just shows that the guy is not there right now. Um, but he done it a couple of times um, against the Kings. He he done it against uh, Fox, who's obviously a much smaller defender um but if that's the way he needs to kind of get back into that by going at a 
a guy that's a foot smaller than him, then so be it. Um, and he got a couple of buckets off of that, which was good to see. Uh, five, five of seven on the night, which is mm. fine, is what you expect from him. Um, like to see those assists get up, but again, as I said, I think once he comes back into the starting starting lineup, you'll you'll see those stats start to to come up. And it's not about the stats; you just want to see him playing good basketball. But uh, you do think that the the assist numbers will, will come up once he's back playing with KD on a, a regular basis. But yeah, um, just a just a grim game. That must be the highest points we've given up. I've never seen, I don't think I've seen the net give up 150 points, and yeah. especially in, in games that haven't what we went to overtime anyway, but um, I, someone out there will have that stat. No, I think Nets Daily have already tweeted out saying that, yeah, that's exactly right. The biggest sort of points given up in a regulation game that hasn't gone to OT. So yeah, just absolute historic <laughs> L that we took, um, which was not fun. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the, the, the best stat that Ben Simmons put up that night was 20 minutes played. And that for me, yeah. and that's just, you know, just little and often, and that's all good. And that that's all we can hope for. Um, but the perhaps the, the biggest sort of talking point following that game was um, that a an interview was released um, that Kevin Durant did with um, Bleacher Report. So basically he had in the report, um, which we referenced earlier, it's um, he had massive praise for, for the new coaching staff despite the loss. And he's a lot happier um, than when he handed in his trade request, which he kind of addressed as well. Um, so he spoke a lot about Nash, uh, spoke a lot about himself, about his legacy uh, about how he's feeling. He's in a really great place. Um, but there's the the line that got kind of taken out of it, uh, of course. Um, basically, he said, the Nets don't really measure up with the best in the league on paper, but he hopes to instill confidence into his teammates that they have a legitimate chance against anyone. Um, and th- But this is the quote. Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neill. Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. So if you're watching from that lens, you're expecting us to play well because number seven is out there. So a lot of people have kind of taken this and said that KD's trashing his teammates and he's throwing them under the bus. Um, and it's it is like the one dark spot on what is like a really really positive article, um, but yeah, I'd be interested to to see what you thought when when it came up. Yeah, I thought the same thing as you. Obviously, it's it's one line from a big interview, but it's always going to be taken if there's a if there's a, a bit of juice in there. Um, and to be honest, I don't think I think it's a a non-topic. I, I don't like seeing people talking about their teammates in a negative fashion. Um, obviously, it wasn't malicious, but at the end of the day, it still isn't right that he's saying that. I mean, it, that's obviously not going to be the starting lineup for much longer, as we said. Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving are starters on this team. If they Obviously, if, if Kyrie comes back anytime soon, and eventually Simmons will be a starter on this team. So there's no point mentioning guys like Sumner and even Joe Harris now at this stage when they're clearly playing above their roles on this team. It's like when we had Patty Mills last season. You can trash yeah. him as much as you want, but that's not his role on this team. 
Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he, he he means it maliciously. I always think with Kevin Durant, he, he always talks like he's a fan, a basketball fan, and like he takes himself actually out of it, and, and he often does it so he can can compliment himself, which he does. Like, and he, he is bang on there in terms of the fact that there's obviously a, a reliance on Kevin Durant to to carry the team when he win, to win games, which which he does do on many occasions. Um, and but at the same time, he's right. I mean, it's it's not it's not a a good it's not a good five to have um, as your as your starters if you're wanting to compete. But as I say, it's it's not going to be long term. Um, when it will change, I don't know. But yeah, you can't read into it too much because he is right. But at the same time, you don't you do hope that the guys that he's mentioned aren't offended by it because. We don't need any more drama in that locker room right now. No, not at all. I think he could have re- he could have worded it better. Like, we're not there at the moment. You know, look who's starting for us right now, rather mm. than look like look what kind of bums are on my team, <laughs> kind of thing. And I don't think he meant it like that. Um, but yeah, when you've got what seventy odd million dollars, either not playing or not playing up to their potential then it's yeah it's just rough and it's you know i think i thought this what do you think do you think that sort of externally that we kind of have the same expectations as we did have in like the big three era now even though that you know ben's not himself yet Kyrie's off the team complete new squad it feels like it's like externally it's like the nets are the nets have like fluffed it again they're still rubbish but it feels like a completely different team um so yeah, maybe that's kind of what he was sort of pointing to. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I, I don't know. I don't think our expectations are there realistically right now. I mean, you look at this team, even fully healthy. I I don't think it's anywhere near where we were. Obviously, with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie, which was you see clips of it coming up up now. It was an absolute cheat code, and how that team didn't win a championship. Well, we know why, but yeah. they they should have done like it, statistically it was all there that they should have won a championship um but again you just don't know it's you don't know how how much ben simmons is going to come back how much he's going to improve and and how if Kyrie's ever going to come back because let's face it that's not a guarantee right now um but i'd still say that our goals are the same maybe our expectations aren't there but our goals are still the same and they have to be that well, Kevin Durant's in this team, the goal has to be to win a championship because at the end of the day, what's the point otherwise? Um, so yeah, I, I do think our expectations aren't there right now just because we've we've been hurt so many times, but I think the goal's always been the same and it always will be until Kevin Durant plays his last game on this team. Nice. So you're, so obviously a lot of, a lot of chat's been going on and, and this leads us on to a, a perfect listener question from Riley on the Discord that says... What moves could the Nets make, whether it's to contribute to win now or whether it's blowing up? So we kind of, we touched on it right at the beginning of the pod where with the Jacques Vaughan sort of appointment, it's like that doesn't really feel, it's it, hard to tell whether or not that's a win now or a blow up, blow it up kind of appointment. And you kind of alluded to it there. Well, while KD is still in this team, it's, you got to go all in. So what... <sighs> I guess the last couple of, for me, I'll go first. The last couple of games for me, obviously, have highlighted the fact that 
we need more size on the interior, which isn't new, like isn't news to Nets fans. We've been sort of crying for that probably since Brooke Lopez left. Well, no, since kind of Jarrett Allen left, I should say. But but yeah, is there any what there any moves that we need to make that that you can think of to kind of really put us down either a win now path or or just blowing the whole thing up? Yeah, I, I don't think we're we're near a blow up yet. Um, and Katie's interview kind of confirmed that for me. While he's happy on this team, you've got to do anything it takes to to win. And I don't know why I'm starting to get the vibes of LeBron's last season with the Cavs when it got to the trade deadline and he just essentially just exploded the team to bring in as much talent as possible around him. Kind of ruin their future for the next three or four years, but um, they look all right now. But We seem to do that by ourselves anyway, so yeah, what, we, what does it matter? Anyway. Um, but I do think the Nets are going to be extremely active trade-wise and it's going to be probably the most difficult trade period, obviously the kind of unofficial trade uh, opening when kind of something like a third of the league become tradable after signing new contracts and whatever. Um, so I do think we'll be active, which is a bit annoying because we'll be making those trades at the time when we've not really seen what this full team looks like, um, yeah. which is disappointing. And I, I think you're spot on. Some size and just as much wing uh, help we can get. Um, we, I could say Miles Turner, but I think I've said it more <laughs> on every single podcast we've done so far this season. But the guy's putting up eight and nine and he's getting three blocks a game. It's like if he's actually available for the the fire sale rate that the Pacers are, are saying he is for, then... Just get it done. Get it done and, and let him and Clax battle it out. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the Nets want to do, but I, I do think they're gonna be really active and, and you can bet your bottom dollar that Kevin Durant's gonna have a say in absolutely everything. Yeah, nice. I think I'll go I'll go with you. Someone like a Miles Turner, some some big juicy body that can protect the room would be absolutely lovely. Um but you know, we got we got Nick Claxton who could be a shout for most improved player, I think. Um, so hopefully that continues, but yeah, a backup to that would be nice. Um, that's it. That's all we got time for today. Uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for people that watch back on YouTube. Thanks for sending in your questions as well. We'll be back next week and, uh, yeah, take it steady. See you later.